Hello and welcome to What The Hack, the show that is dedicated to taking all aspects of cybersecurity and breaking them down into easy to understand bytes. My name is Sean, a cybersecurity professional working in the Aberdeen, Scotland area. This week we welcome Javid Malik from Know Before to understand your digital footprint. Javid is a security awareness advocate with experience spanning 20 years. He began his career as an IT security administrator. He's since worked as a consultant, an industry analyst and a security advocate. Malik is well known within the information security industry, having spoken at many events and conferences around the world in addition to being a YouTuber, podcaster, blogger and researcher. With a distinctive style, he takes a fresh and often innovative look at even mundane topics and presents them in an entertaining and informative light. Tackling the most complex issues with ease in his witty style is Malik's forte. We hope you enjoy. Thank you. Javid for uh, joining me on this episode. This is going to be quite a, quite a fun one because it's going to be an, a topic that not a lot of people fully grasp the, I suppose, the severity of what we're going to be talking about, your digital footprint. Um, we're going to dive straight in, really, um, because we want to kind of get a, a clearer idea of what it entails. Um, digital footprint is effectively your online presence, for want of a better term. But can you kind of elaborate a little bit better on kind of what goes into building one does everyone have one or what are we dealing with here yeah so um thanks for having me on sean uh, pleasure and uh and yeah it, this is a topic that I've, I've spent quite a lot of time talking about over the last year or so to with, with experts in the field and try and look into it and at, at the base level because we are in a digital age now everyone pretty much has a digital footprint of some sort. As soon as you have a, an email address or you register to some service online, uh, that is the beginning of your digital footprint. And that can start from a very, very young age, especially if uh, you see sometimes babies have their own social media profiles that have been set up by their parents, but it's a digital footprint. So there are two elements, I think, to a digital footprint that are important to understand. One is the information that you willingly put out there to share with friends and family or the wider public. So mm -hmm. they could be, you know, your, your social media profiles, you're on Twitter, for example, and you're saying, hey, I work at so-and-so place, this is my job. That, that's, that's part of your digital footprint. But the other element, which is more under the scenes, is pretty much um, the basis on how we've built most of the modern internet is that we transact with the service providers, um, not with currency because we don't pay for them, but we pay for those services with our personal information. So whenever you use something like Facebook, you see mm -hmm. it's, uh, you upload as many photos as you want. You can send as many emails as you want through Messenger. You can, uh, you can use Instagram, which is part of the Facebook family. You can use WhatsApp and send messages to all of your friends and, and make video calls and voice calls. Um, all of this doesn't have an actual cost. And, and when you sit back and think about it for a second, you're like, wow, this, this is free. Um, <laughs> you know, I remember like back in growing up, if you needed to make like an international call to like say the US or, or something, you'd be like 50 pence a minute or, or a pound a minute to some other countries <laughs> or what have you. Now I can just pick up my mobile phone and it's, it's free. Mm -hmm. How does that work? Um, and that's where we, we are paying with our personal data. We are, we are telling the service provider our likes, our dislikes, our preferences, our age, uh, where we're going, all these kinds of things. 
And that is the, the other side of the digital footprint that uh, few people see because it's not explicitly exposed to everybody, but it's exposed to these tech companies and they, they use it for their profits. It's quite, it, yeah, it's quite interesting. You're paying for your, with your personal data. Um, arguably, that's a, a higher cost um, to you than actually just paying for it with, with cash. Um, yeah, when, when Facebook started com, coming around, um, I think we, we saw the UK kind of got entered into it um, 2006 era, um, roughly. Um, I know I joined in 2000, 2010, I believe it was. Um, and yeah, I had the same question. I mean, it was free, so why is it worth so much? You know, it's we're, we're talking into the hundreds of billions um, of pounds here. Um, and why is it so much if it's not a paid for service? But like you just said there, I mean, personal data is is pretty valuable in itself. So you do pay for it with that. Um, and I suppose that kind of narrows it down into, I suppose, one of the things that we can all relate to is now is personalized ads. You know, it's trying to figure out what you want and how to sell it to you in the best way possible. Um, is, is it advisable to turn that off, the personalized ads? So you can turn off personalized ads, but the ads is just one element of what they do with the data. Mm -hmm. So so when a organization takes your information, they can then sell it to an advertiser who say, I want to target people in this area of this age, of this income, of this preference, and I want to sell them these widgets that I sell. Um, if you turn that option off, okay, those people can't get you, but what can get you? Well. The platform can still use that information to keep you engaged on the platform for longer. So if, you know, if, if say YouTube knows, you Google uh, owned YouTube, uh, if they know that you're into flat earth conspiracy theories, your YouTube feed will be full of that. You might not get advertised on that, but you'll get recommended that. Why? Mm -hmm. Because it's in their interest to keep you on their platform as long as possible. Uh, the, the second thing is that it's not just advertisers who are buyers of this data. It's it's pretty much anyone with with a big enough checkbook, they can buy buy this data. Or it, it could even be governments uh, who, who can just ask nicely and and they'll get access to some of this data. Um, so there, there's there's a whole host of other things that can be done with that data. So simply just turning off it, uh, your advertising, it it'll, it just it's it's actually only one component of mm -hmm. of that whole thing. Yeah, it's quite it's quite a a scary uh, outlook, really. Um, you mentioned there the, the YouTube recommendations. Now, I, I read about this, and perhaps you can elaborate a little bit more as to how they do it. Um, I don't think most people are concerned about how they do it, but more it's more the why that they do it. Uh, and I'm talking about Netflix here. The Netflix algorithms are incredibly complex and I wouldn't begin to understand how they operate and how long they are or how long they even spent building this. But the, the effort they've went to for such a minor change that would cause dramatic effects, as I'm talking about the thumbnails on Netflix. Uh, so, for example, if I was to like boats, um, I would see a bunch of TV shows and films with the thumbnail that features a boat in the show. And it may be a very, very minor scene in one episode of eight series, but it'll be there. And it, it it's that level of sophistication we're talking about when it comes to your digital footprint, your likes and dislikes and recommendations. And there's there's really no way to kind of manage that, is there? There's What can you do 
I mean, does deleting your search history off your computer, does that even make the slightest bit of difference? No, it, it doesn't. <laughs> because uh, because it, the, the data is not so stored on your computer. Once it's been tracked and, and uploaded, it's, mm -hmm. it's with the, the provider or, or in the cloud somewhere. And you, it, it's really interesting you bring up that Netflix thing because I was the thing is that these algorithms and models have gotten very sophisticated. And actually, I read a study last year that that's or maybe the year before. I lose track with the, with the pandemic. Time is no, <laughs> no longer no longer linear. So it could have been like ten years ago. I don't know. I think it was in the last couple of years. And they looked at some of these algorithms and um, behavioral analytics um, sort of systems. And basically, with seven data points, if it only had seven data points about you, uh, and these were specific data points about mm -hmm. decisions you've made in the past, the computer can then predict what your choice will be given a, a, a set of options before you even make that choice. And it was accurate in way over 95%. It was just wow. almost almost completely accurate. And, and this is where something like the, the, the thumbnails for Netflix is, is really interesting because you you mm -hmm. go on there and it knows like you said it knows this person is is attracted to boats or fast cars mm -hmm. or, uh, or 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 high glamorous or, or or they follow the rock so even if the rock's only got a cameo in a show let's put his his his, his yeah. poster all on the thumbnail and and these things are and, and you know what i i think with this it's it's kind of like a mutually beneficial relationship in this regard, because when mm -hmm. you go on something like Netflix, you need some help in, in helping you find the content that is, is, is relevant to you. So they're selling it, it kind of like back to you to keep you on the platform. Mm -hmm. um, so, so there are some, some sort of like user benefits to this, but, um, but with a lot of the general usage of this, there's, there's no real benefits. Um, I, I think even, even putting the benefits, aside, I think one of the things that is the real challenge is people really don't have visibility into what data is being taken from them and how it's being used. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you've ever tried to read a privacy policy, um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's like the joke, isn't it? The, mm -hmm. the biggest lie on the internet is I've read the privacy, <laughs> privacy or, the, or I agree to the terms and conditions. Absolutely. No, no one reads them. Um, there, there's a researcher called Chris Boyd, and he he actually spent uh, six months going through privacy policies on some mobile apps, I believe. And he found that um, way over half of them, they had links to say like, oh, for more information, click here. And that leads to another document. And that leads to another document. Um, most of them were broken links, or they were outdated oh. links, or they did... And because no one ever bothers reading them or checking them or clicking on them, it's just it's just like a, a formality. It's a mm -hmm. compliance exercise. You can say to the auditor, "Yes, we have a privacy policy. Here it is," and you know <laughs> that's how it goes. Yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I'm talking about someone who recently wrote a privacy policy. Um, yes, I I'm under the impression that no one will ever click on to read it. Uh, there was a TV program actually that that kind of focused on that for a wee minute, and and what he did it was thirty five pages, and he he asked, has anyone actually read this before? And 
he answered confidently saying, no, no one's ever read it before because I have and I found a mistake in it. Um, he, they said that a year was 364 days and he contacted them to tell them that and a day later they had changed it. So they didn't actually know either. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose the question would be, how is that legally enforceable? You know, it's it's a strange one really. Um, but you're, you're correct in, in saying that people don't have visibility on, on what data is out there on them. So I suppose my question to you would be, is there a way that we can begin to manage this? Is, is, is it just so, like, is it too far gone for some people or is there a way to rein in their, their information and their digital footprint as it is? Yeah, so I think there, there are definitely a few things um, we, we can do. So one is we have to first raise the understanding of how these things work. Because mm -hmm. I think if you work in tech or security or privacy, you you understand these concepts. But mm -hmm. for the average person, they really don't understand, which is why uh, not too long ago, WhatsApp announced they were going to update their privacy policies. That's right. And some people misinterpreted or correctly interpreted mm -hmm. it, but there was, there was quite a lot of blowback from it. Mm -hmm. And... And 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 the, and the funny thing is, like the the alternatives that some people were suggesting were worse than actually staying with a poor policy on WhatsApp, <laughs> or, or they were like, "Well, I'm not going to use WhatsApp. I'm just going to use Facebook Messenger from now on." Yeah, it's like, well, you know, that that's kind of like what you're trying to avoid in the first place. <laughs> uh, so, so, so the, there's there's an educational element to be had there, and people to become more aware of of what they're sharing i think that the second element where, where the biggest change is though is in uh there there being some sort of way to change the the models of how the internet works so that these companies aren't purely making money based on reselling your personal information because mm -hmm. as long as that's the way and and like i think q4 2020 facebook posted if, if I'm recalling correctly, it's something like two and a half thousand million dollars in ad revenue and 200 million in other revenue, which okay. is everything else they do. So it's two thousand, two and a half thousand million wow. in ad revenue. And, and, and the, the challenge with that is even if you bring in regulation, even if you're bringing anything, um, you've got to corner an organization like that. And I'm just bringing up Facebook as an example, but you know, you could pick, take your pick, Twitter or, you know, TikTok, whoever. But, you know, they will fight tooth and nail to stop you from changing that because that will, mm -hmm. you know, be end of business for them. And people won't be happy with that as well because a lot of people are used to using these services. Um, in some countries around the world, Facebook is the internet for them. There's no mm -hmm. other way to get on the internet. That That is the internet. So there, there, there needs to be some ways to incentivize big tech to change some of their business models or build better business models. Um, and, and the third part is something that, uh, say, like Apple is doing now, which is because the, they, they have a diverse income stream, they don't really actually rely on your, your they, they make more, more, most of their money through hardware and software sales. Um, they don't. They, they don't really need your personal data or they, they don't make as much money. So they're now throwing up privacy notices in the latest iOS update saying, hey, Facebook wants to access this information. Do mm -hmm. you consent? Facebook wants this. 
And uh, in, in that in that recent uh, call, Zuckerberg was, this is terrible. Facebook is out to destroy us. This could have a significant impact <laughs> on our bottom line. And when you think about it, it's not like Apple is blocking it. All Apple is doing is raising awareness mm-hmm. to the end user saying, hey, are you sure you want this company to have access to your clipboard data? Mm-hmm. Are you sure you want this company <laughs> to have access to your location data? And, and, and I think that is a, a real key, key point. I think the more companies that do that, it's, it, it really puts the privacy in people's mind and, and it makes them aware of like, hey, why am I sharing this data? Mm-hmm. Is seeing which Marvel superhero I am really worth giving over <laughs> all this data? Which is pretty much what, uh, what, uh, how Cambridge Analytica was able to mine all, all, all the uh, information from people's uh, Facebook. Yeah, I mean, it's, but, it's funny you bring that up, actually. I was about to ask you about the, the it was a couple of years ago now when Facebook and Cambridge Analytica were, I, I, for want of a better term, I want to say raided by the FBI um, as to what actually went on there. Uh, people were, it was all in the news saying that, you know, they were manipulating data and things like that. But I don't think the media was very clever in how they, kind of portrayed that um the severity of what went on obviously being raided by the fbi means it was a very severe matter um but what actually happened so with with cambridge analytica they were able to in simple terms they just got hold of a lot of data Mm -hmm. and then they were able to use targeted advertising to manipulate people so So were they doing anything illegal so the way in which they obtained the data was underhand. Okay. Um, but th- this is where it gets really interesting. So, so you talk about legality, and then there's ethics, and then <laughs> there's morals, and all these things, and they all get really entwined. So I, I, I'm not going to pass judgment on that because I'm not a lawyer, and I'm not a, uh, sure. You sure. Know, uh, I'm not the 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 bastion of morality either, actually. But <laughs> we'll leave that for another time. <laughs> But we'll see. So Cambridge Analytica was able to figure out through questionnaires and what have you, mm-hmm. whether what your political preferences were, whether okay. you're more of a centrist, whether you have more right-leaning tendencies or left-leaning tendencies. And based on that, they were able to start targeting you with very specific adverts to pull you further and further to the extremes. So if, if you felt that, you know, Obama did something wrong or Clinton done some, something wrong, um, they would amplify that more and more and more and more and more until you end up, you know, on, on, the, on the far, sure. on, at the end of the internet, basically. <laughs> um, uh, so it, that's where people say, well, this is like undermine of democracy. There's a lot of fake uh, mm-hmm. news or disinformation mixed in with that. There's videos and, and images that are mis- that that would, are taken out of context and they're pushed to mean something else and it's agitating people. Um, and that's true, but that's absolutely no different from what any advertiser does. And this is where <laughs> it gets very tricky. The fact that Nike is trying to sell me a new trainer and making me feel inadequate if I don't have that trainer. Mm-hmm. And if I get that trainer, I can all suddenly become super fit overnight and you know, have, have uh, you know, gain popularity and 
and promotions mm -hmm. at work just because I have that trainer. Yeah. This is no real different. It, it's still you're, you're manipulating the human psychology or, or pulling on their emotions to make them feel connected to a tribe or a culture, a sense of belonging and giving people a, a, a shallow sense of purpose. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it's nothing new. It's just a new method, really, I would say, uh, on how this is happening. Um, I suppose there's there's two advertisers that really stick out in that kind of regard, one being the the kind of um, men's toiletries, I would suppose, is, is Lynx. Um, they've often had the advert for, you know, you spray this and then a sea of women will come after you because you <laughs> smell a certain way. Uh, and the other one being, uh, the reason I bring it up is Red Bull. Um, the, the tagline is Red Bull give you wings. And I believe they were actually taken to court for that and lost because they don't actually give you wings. Um, I don't believe for a second that they ever intended they would actually give you wings. I think it was a metaphor, <laughs> but they actually lost the court case, uh, which is a whole different matter because it tells me that people are taking things far too seriously. But but you're absolutely right. It's nothing new that's been going on. Um, it's just a different way of that's being done. Um, if we were to talk about phishing scams, for example, you get an email, a fake phishing scam. But, but prior to that, it was through the post. You know, you you got a, a, a phishing scan through the post. So your your data is far more valuable than you actually consider it to be, or most people consider it to be. There is only so much you can do to kind of manage it online, I suppose, because for every, I suppose, every swipe, every scroll down on Facebook or any social media, that's adding to it. Um, for those that haven't actually seen the social dilemma that is on Netflix, incredibly powerful for the, the average user. Um, it actually showcases that they track how long you spend on a certain image or on a certain post, and it tracks everything. So I suppose one of the only ways that you can actually control it is to completely remove yourself from it. But how, what does that entail? How difficult do you think that would be to do? I think it's 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 increasingly difficult every every day because of how dependent we are on on technology and services. Mm -hmm. So um, particularly now, say nowadays, most people are working from home you need the internet to connect into work. So you're going through so many services. Mm -hmm. um, it's really difficult. If you're in the market for a, say a new TV, it'll be very difficult for you to find a dumb TV that just connects to an area when you get, get channels. <laughs> Everything's a smart TV now. Absolutely. So there's, there, there's internet connectivity built into absolutely everything. And one of the great, um, deceptions of our time is uh, the, the term metadata. It's where people say, hey, we, it's like the NSA came out when, when they were exposed for their prism and all those things. It's like, we don't actually collect data, we collect metadata. Mm -hmm. So we don't know the contents of your phone call. We just know you made a phone call and the duration of it and, and what have you. And, and the truth is that that itself is very powerful data when you combine it all together. And, and I believe someone gave it, I can't remember who gave the example, but they said, well, think of it like this. Um, I don't know the contents of your call, but I know you phoned this number, which was a, a, a sexual health clinic, and you spoke for three minutes to them. <laughs> I don't know the content of it. Then I know that you phoned home and spoke to your wife for <laughs> two minutes. I don't know the contents of the call. Then I know you called uh, the suicide helpline from a bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the contents of the call. I just know it was made. Yeah. 
Yeah, you, you see where I'm going with this. Absolutely. You don't need to be a genius to to piece things together using using just metadata, yeah. and this is dangerous. And, and so when when we look at what information people have online, it's like if if we meet and I say, "Hey, what's your email address?" and you give me your email address, and from that I now know your your first name and your surname. If it's your corporate email address, I also know where you work. Mm-hmm. From that, I can start piecing things together. I said, okay, so this is your full name. Where else does this appear? Okay, so I can start linking social media to it. Maybe I can search company's house. Maybe I can search tax office. Maybe I can I can get your, your phone number from it, your address from it, uh, birth, birth certificate. I can then look for, for password dumps in uh, where, where breaches have happened in the past. Uh, and get your passwords, then maybe try try if you reuse those passwords, I'll try <laughs> logging on to other services with it. it. It's just these little breadcrumbs that you, you follow, and it seems very insignificant these days, but it, it, it adds up greatly. Um, just even a careless photo that you post online that um, mm-hmm. school time is normally the, the worst. You see parents posting mm-hmm. pictures of their children at their front door in their uniform, displaying the, the school badge, their house number, everything, yeah. and and yeah, you know, so you know, it, it, we willingly give away a lot of this information. So, I, I think just even just pulling away from these things or using them in a non-public manner mm-hmm. um, restricts a lot of the, the 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 external threats that that one may face or you know, the potential embarrassment that, that people may face, like, you know, when, <laughs> when they go for a job interview and an employer has, has searched them up and they found, <laughs> you know, pictures of them being drunk at 3 a.m. and passed out yep. <laughs> in the back of a cab. Yeah, um, so. it's, it's a case of when did the world become such a dark place? Uh, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you've, you've got to look at it in the eyes of a criminal, really, as to what you can be exposed uh, um the, the school picture was was a was a great one really it was a great example of that is you can give an awful lot of data away very quickly just with a simple you know click of the phone really um that that being said i mean you you kind of run the risk of of people scrutinize you for having a private life in this point and i'm i'm leaning more in terms of celebrities and things like that because i i read about an article about i think it was I think it was the boxer um, Anthony Joshua who had a child, but didn't want to publicize that. You know, it, that was just his home life; that was private. Um, but the media just went for him. You know, it was like, oh, what's he got to hide? You know, why is it so such a secret? It's, there's a difference between secrecy and privacy, is what we're kind of aiming for. And I think a lot of people are starting to realize that, but they've almost went they've, they've realized it too late because their information's already out there. Yeah, yeah, the, the information is out there. So, so there's there's a few, a couple of things I think that are a bit heartening. Is one is that if you stop feeding the beast, the information does date. Okay. So you know, if you, if you stop feeding it, so the, the, it'll be like a snapshot in time that this is what you were like in 2021 February. <laughs> this is what it is. But from now on, if you stop feeding that that beast, then the, the information will date. So you know. But that's difficult as well. But you know, if you if you at least minimize it, that that can stop the growth of that. The second thing is that there are some services out there, like there are, and the name escapes me. But basically, you you can install a widget on your browser, and what it will do is in the background, it'll start running random search engines queries for you. And what it does is, 
it it basically taints your data. So well, that's very clever. <laughs> so in the background, you're searching for like what languages do giraffes speak, and you know what. <laughs> What, what, why is the North Pole not called the North, uh, the South Pole? And, you know, all sorts mm -hmm. of weird and wonderful stuff. Uh, so what it does is it, it, it really just mixes up and confuses all the trackers and 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 beacons that you have on your on your system. Um, it's it's a it's not a, an elegant solution, but I, I I'm quite a fan of it. I do like it. Yeah, well, to be honest, this is the first time I'm, I'm actually hearing of this. And basically, what you're telling me, instead of trying to remove all the data, is go the other direction and give it more, but give it incorrect data. Um, I actually love that idea, and I'm going to look for the the solution. If if we find it, I will post it in the show notes so you can install it. Um, but I really enjoy that. I really like that idea. Is there? It, it sort of relates very cl uh, clever to the idea if you've got secrets that you don't want exposed, just expose random things instead and they won't know which is true. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that's a cool idea. I'll tell you, one of the questions that, that, I've, that, I've, that I've got actually that's, that's popped into my head is, is the term unsubscribe. Now, we're talking about digital footprints and it only takes about maybe, two, I would say, about three weeks for you to unsubscribe from services in your email address that you don't actually want anymore. However, the term unsubscribe to me tells me that I will no longer receive email address uh, emails from these people. But that doesn't tell me that they will remove my data from their system. So I wonder what else they're doing with it. Um, what, what, what's, what's the suggestion on this one, really? Because unsubscribe means you can keep my data, but I don't want any promotional activity from you. How do I get them to remove that? So it's it's not easy and it depends on where the provider is and what their you know jurisdiction is. And so if they're in Europe, then you can um, submit a right uh, a right to forget request mm -hmm. so that they can uh, delete all your data that's not in the um, as long as it's not legally mandated for them to hold certain data. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there was the case of a of a criminal. Uh, who, who who tried to get Google to remove his news story because uh, which 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 basically said how he was convicted and uh, he, he's a he's a thief or or, or a criminal uh, so so he lost that yeah. <laughs> unsurprisingly but uh, uh, but but if it's something that's not in the public interest and it's not uh, and it's only for commercial purposes only you can submit that request and uh, they they will have to abide by that. And, and delete the information. Also, uh, you can just do freedom of information requests on these thing, uh, organizations as well, say, like, tell me all the data that you hold about me. Mm -hmm. And that is also really eye-opening. It, it's really interesting to, to see what, what information they hold. There's a, a journalist, I believe, and she travels to the States a lot. And she asked for... Uh, she submitted a free information request to get all of her. So when you enter the States, they take a photo of you and your fingerprints, like mm -hmm. they, they scan your face and your fingerprints and when you do your passport at those automatic kiosks. And basically she had like 10 years worth of mug shots all lined up and she posted <laughs> it. <on. laughs> uh, and it's like, it's, it's, and the point was basically you kind of like forget all the information that you, you give and company store so mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a really really valid point that you know you, you even make one purchase from an organization and even if they're not sending you spam mm -hmm. they now know your email address your phone number your 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 mailing address 
-hmm. and a lot of time it's for for your convenience so that you don't have to um you know submit those details again but as soon as you create an account they they have all that information captured so it's um it's important to go i think uh, i i've been thinking a lot about this this term of uh, digital minimalization mm -hmm. Uh, it's like how you uh, and there is a, a documentary on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, uh, <laughs> called The Minimalists. Oh yes, uh, which, Big which is uh, which is really good. I, I mean, I enjoy I enjoyed it a lot. I, I'm not one by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> if I pan the camera over, you'll see all the junk I have. But it's uh, it's it's people like are, are, are trying to like simplify their lives, and you know they and. There's two parts to that documentary, and the second one, which was just released not uh, last month, mm -hmm. they, one of the guys he goes that people, when people come to my house, they don't say, "Oh, you're a minimalist because you don't have anything." Rather, they, their reaction is, "Wow, how, how do you keep your place so clean and clutter-free?" <laughs> uh, because he has everything that's essential and nothing mm -hmm. more, so there's nothing just there's no junk basically lying yeah. around. And I really like that concept, and it, and. I like to transfer that to a digital uh, essence because it's so easy to download anything. I mean, if, if you look on your computer, how many downloads do you have? Mm -hmm. uh, how many things do you have on your desktop? How many things do you have in different cloud services? You might have something on Google, on Dropbox, on Facebook. You know, they, they, we, we, we lose control of all the data we have. Mm -hmm. um, e even if someone were to ask you, like, you know, how many login IDs do you have? How many sites have you registered with? Uh, you, you know, most people don't know. I mean, I, I mean, I, I use a password manager, so um, yep. I know it's, it's it's a few hundred. But I, I, in my mind, I'm like, there's so many of these sites I've never logged into after I signed up with them, so I should go through them and 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 try to delete it. Uh, so maybe if there's a if there's a budding entrepreneur out there, if you can create a service that allows people to with one click. Mm -hmm. delete a profile, send a freedom of information or a right to, you know, forget requests to that, to that provider in a template and, and tidy up your online presence. I think that that would be a really, really useful service. Yeah. I think that the, the, th the thing that jumped out at me there was, um, in order to get that service, we, we would need to sign up to it first. So we'd give away yeah. some, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, but no, it's a great idea actually. Absolutely. Um, Right. I mean, yeah. One of the one of the things that that was asked um, when we when we found out we were going to speak about this topic was um, the, the they inevitably went. I have a really large digital footprint. I'm not sure how they know that. It's maybe just that they've been very careless and signed up to a bunch of different things, and their email addresses, uh, their inbox is overflowing with subscriptions and so on and so forth. But does having a larger digital footprint or a less, a less kind of monitored, if you like, would that make you a, a more of a, more of a target? I, yeah, I suppose that would be the question. I mean, not necessarily. It's probably not even your fault. That's the other thing. It's they're more they're more targeting the companies you're subscribed to, aren't they? So it it, it varies. So there's you, you can be targeted in two ways. One is where someone goes after you as an individual, mm -hmm. um, and they. They then look through all of your your profiles and and to find something. So, um, in uh, so if if someone's trying to target a, a company, they will look through their employees. They will build up a profile of who's who on the pecking order, 
and then they'll try to find the weakest employee amongst them mm-hmm. and then send them a phishing email trying to get their credentials or uh, and work the way into the organization so you know that's where they're targeting an individual so if, if you signed up for lots of things you are you you, you can be targeted that way uh, the the other side is where it's just opportunistic uh, attackers out there. They'll find a service that's not secured properly. They'll be able to break in, dump the passwords and email addresses, and then they'll sell those on the dark web or or, mm-hmm. or maybe even themselves. They'll then use that to say, okay, here's the email and password combination. We reckon majority of these people reuse the same passwords elsewhere. So now let's say if they've broken into a company that sells cat food. Uh, they've got your email address, your password, and they'll use that combination against PayPal, Gmail, YouTube, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever Dropbox, whatever it might be. And they'll try to get the whatever data they can from that, which they'll then either resell or monetize or maybe deploy ransomware or use it as a stepping stone to get other people. <laughs> there's there's all these different, it just spiders out, out of control uh, very, very, very quickly. Yeah, I mean, we we definitely need to keep keep an eye on on where our our information is going. But you know, companies are only as strong as their weakest link. Uh, it's it's let's say it's it's not even the company as such. We mentioned this before, but um, the the company Target in America, they were actually a victim of a crime, a, a cyber crime. But it wasn't actually their company that let them in. It was the payment service that they used. So their chip and pin machines. Uh, and I think they lost something like three hundred million dollars in the space of less than an hour. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's digital footprints a major, major topic that we all need to be paying attention to because it's really our digital currency is is what we're using. So I, I suppose it's trying to be more intentional would be the word on using it. Uh, I, I know a lot of people on social media have started to kind of rein that in, which is really good. They've they've taken down photos and things like that that are no longer of use and a lot of people tend to just use it as an online photo album uh maybe it's it's not a a great idea but one one thing i will give uh credit to facebook for is their privacy settings it's quite comprehensive mm-hmm. and you can block as much people as you want to to not see your profile and things like that but it's almost too complicated so it's kind of you know walking the line really I guess. Um, have you got any advice on digital footprint generally that, that people can go away and do um, kind of proactive about it? Yeah, sure. So I think um, one of the one of my favorite websites to go to is one called Have I Been Pawned? Mm-hmm. Um, it is like owned, but with a P instead of the O. So haveibeenpwned.com. And that uh, what, what you do, you go to that website and it's, it's a legit website run by a security researcher, Troy Hunt. And you put in your email address and it will tell you if that email address has been involved in any breaches in the past. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so if I put in one of my email addresses, it'll say, hey, remember like five years ago, LinkedIn was uh, had a massive breach. Well, your email was one of the credentials that got breached in it. It won't tell you the password. It won't give you any more information beyond that. But it's a good reminder to say, hey, if, if that email was compromised and if I'm the type of person that reuses the same password mm-hmm. or, you know, then I should change all the passwords that, that have been there mm-hmm. um, to, to 
prevent that from from spreading elsewhere and, and it's just a good good eye opener for mm-hmm. uh for people no it's, it's a site that i've certainly used in the past uh yeah. it's it's one that i would recommend as well so i'm gonna put i'll put a link to it in the show notes for it um yeah it, it's it's not a silver bullet i don't think but it's certainly an awareness tool that that, yeah. that we can use uh so no that that's great i'll tell you one one other thing that i want to highlight actually um to, to the people listening to this is is your YouTube channel that you've got. Um, you've got some fantastic videos in there. I mean, I'm certainly a fan of them. Uh, I would encourage the people listening to this to head over to it. Again, I'm going to put a link to that as well in the show notes for it because you you kind of do the same th- thing, but in a, in a video format is in terms of what we're trying to do is provide the information in a kind of humorous and very accessible way. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put a link into that one as well. Um, is, is, is there anything that we've not covered on Digital Footprint as it stands? Um, I think the, the other thing is uh, basically on your phone, uh, you, you mentioned photos now, people using like photo libraries. Uh, there's an awful lot of uh, um, EXIF data, metadata stored in your photographs as well. Mm-hmm. And it's always useful to turn them off on your phone unless you actually need need them. Um, and and I know it's convenient because when you go through your photo albums on your phone, it'll say, "Hey, all all these photos were taken in Wales when you went mm-hmm. there for a weekend or something like that." But uh, but a lot of times this data remains embedded within it. Now some sites are good. I think Facebook strips out the data when you upload the photo, so if someone downloads a photo, they can't pull out mm-hmm. that data. But other sites don't. And the the problem is that um, if you're you know, if you're being private with your location or, or where you are, say you're a celeb, for example, or, or what have you, then, um, you know, if, if that information's there, then people can then pinpoint where you are or where you were when that photo was taken. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go on some countries, I think South Africa, if you go on Safari, they actually advise you to leave your phones um, away, uh, at, the, at the station or don't take photos uh, and to make sure you turn off all location services and any geotagging on your photos, because if you take a photo there off a rhino, uh, poachers are going to say, "Hey, <laughs> where was that photo taken?" Yeah. And next thing you know, they 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 know the location of of of, of those endangered animals. So um, so just like simple thing like that, turn, turning that off can be uh, really useful. It's a very dark world we live in. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, very opportunistic as well. I must say, because um, before the hard work really had to be put in, but now we're kind of giving them the answers for for an awful lot of these things. Uh, di- digital footprint, it, it's a, a heck of a topic that I, I believe we've only kind of scratched the surface on, and, and it's probably something that is an ongoing thing, as cybersecurity is. Um, there's new threats every single day, but digital footprint is is one that's been around forever but we just need to manage it a little bit better. And it's not too late, I don't think. It is not too late. But I do like the idea of having the service that can can send these notifications and um, right to be forgotten. We're going to have to look into that and see if there is one, and if not, how to build one. Uh, that, that would be that would be fantastic. I think we've covered just about everything, Javid, so I want to thank you for your time. Um, those that are listening, please do head over to his YouTube channel. You will learn an awful lot very quickly and maybe have a laugh or two. Um, but I, yeah, thanks for your time, Joe. It has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Uh, and hopefully um, the people listen have learned a little something about how to be more careful on the internet. Cool. Thank you so much for having me, Sean. No, it's been no. an absolute pleasure. Thanks for listening, guys.
that is all we have for this week thank you so much for listening if you enjoyed the show please give it a like and subscribe to hear more from experts around the globe and head over to opensourceguardian.com for more great content all targeting the world of cybersecurity. until next time remember it shouldn't be complicated so we don't make it so